Today's episode is with technology expert and thought leader, Dr. Lori Waitley. She's a clinical psychologist and did her research into the impacts of technology on marriage. We talk about some of that in here, and it's interesting to hear some of her statistics and insights when it comes to how we are using tech in our lives and potentially how we can reconsider that relationship or at least become a little bit more mindful. We also talk about fubbing. I learned something new, the fubbing phenomenon, how to know when we are getting to that addiction stage with our devices, the importance of boundaries, and when we're thinking about boundaries with technology, the things we need to consider. Technology and our kids, oh, I'm a mother I'm a mother of two small boys. Man, I get this conversation and it's not easy, people. Trying to parent children in a technology age, let alone throwing COVID in there. But we do touch on using technology in this crazy COVID season. Dr. Laurie and I did record this back in probably March or April, so it's been a little while, but she still had some really interesting insights that I think hold today around this unique COVID experience. If you're anything like me though, did not think we would still be in the midst of needing that. But hey, so it goes and technology and COVID is definitely a topic worth still considering. Dr. Laurie's new book is called Connected and Engaged and you can find that on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. To get a full transcript of this episode, you can head to thrive.how forward slash podcast one three seven without further ado let me introduce you to dr laurie welcome to here to thrive i'm your host kate snowwise this is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life it's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Dr. Laurie, thank you for joining us on Here to Thrive today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and it's, it's an honor always. I'm really looking forward to talking about our relationship with technology. You're a clinical psychologist and my understanding is you did research into our relationship with tech as well. What are you seeing in your office? Well, I will tell you that what I saw in my office prior to getting my, my doctorate inspired me to to do much more research because I realized, hey, I need to address this. I'm having couples come in. I'm having teenagers come in, families come in that I'm working with, and technology keeps coming up. And what am I going to do with this? And so I was already doing my doctoral work and it was time to decide on what my dissertation would be on. 
And I thought, this is something I want to understand better so that I can help my clients find solutions. And so I did my dissertation on the effects of texting on the marital relationship. My committee whittled it down to that. And um, actually, they turned it into a book, which is on Amazon. Now, it's a book full of statistics, obviously, so not really enjoyable to read unless you're in the academia but <laughs> you're like not not the easy self-help book <laughs> no my own mother made it to about page 25 and said hey I love you very much but this is just not not real interesting um but but if you like statistics and all it is and then I actually wrote a user-friendly book which I published last month connected and engaged which is all the same information just in an in a more user-friendly way so that is when I realized that we need to understand better our relationship with technology and, hey, technology is here in our lives to stay. And it's a wonderful thing. I mean, look, you and I are talking, you know, across the world and it makes things like this possible. So I'm not poo-pooing technology. What I'm saying is let's learn how it affects us and, and have a balance of it in our lives. So you were drawn to looking at technology, texting, and the marital relationship. What are some of the things that you found through your research? Well, on that subject particularly, I learned about fubbing. I'm not sure if you've heard of I've fubbing. never heard of fubbing. What is fubbing? <laughs> when I say that in the presence of my mother, she's like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Um it, fubbing is when we are with another person and they are on their phone snubbing us, fubbing us. It's oh. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. So maybe maybe I'm talking to you and all of a sudden the phone rings and uh, instead of giving you and our conversation and our time together priority, I say, oh, do you mind? I'm going to answer this real quick. And I go get get into another conversation with someone else and make that a priority and that leaves the person that you are talking to feeling a little bit dismissed and so that's fubbing fubbing is maybe if we're on a date and the person we're with starts texting someone or they start watching football on their phone or whatever you know it's when we don't make the person that we're with a priority and we're not present with them mm. so we're distracted Wow, that's so interesting. Fubbing, I've got a new word. I mean, I've felt snubbed by technology before. I doubt there is anyone who's listening to this that hasn't felt that technology snub. Right. I think we all experience it. You're a clinical psychologist. So what kind of things are you seeing in your patients? Do people self-refer to say, I have a tech addiction? Or is it people on the other side saying, technology through others is upsetting me or is it all of those things and everything in between? Yes, that's a great question. I would say that it's all of the above. I have people who come in, Kate, and they say, oh, I can't, I can't sleep at night and I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety during the day the next day. And I say, oh, well, let's talk about this more. Now, uh, 15 years ago, I might have handled that completely differently. Now, the first question I ask is, how much are you engaged with screens throughout the day? Because we know the data is in. We do know that, you know, the blue light from screens interrupts our melatonin production, which that is chemical in our body that assists us in sleeping. And so it makes us think, well, it's, I don't want to go into the real complicated part of that. It would be quite boring for people. 
but it, let's just say that we're not producing the melatonin that we need to be. And so that could cause us not to get good sleep or the screen itself can cause our brains to be stimulated, overstimulated. And so we don't move through all of our sleep stages. And at night when we sleep is when anxiety is healed from that day. Mm. And so if we're not sleeping, then the next day, we have more anxiety and it comes snowballs. So sometimes, and anxiety is the number one reason that people come to see us. Uh, oh, yeah. right. So I'm, yeah. I'm hearing that, that often people are referring for other symptoms, like yeah. I'm feeling depressed or anxious or there's something not right when tech could be one of the major sources of that, but they're not referring for technology. Right. Oh, very seldom. But most of the time in general, what people come to therapists, you know, the presenting problem is not necessarily the problem. <laughs> I like it. The presenting the more, problem is not necessarily not the many. problem. And, and sometimes the presenting, the identified patient is not really the patient. You know, it depends on what, what the situation is. If they're in a family system or or a, a couple, it, it's interesting, you know, some people go to therapy to learn to deal with unhealthy people in their lives. So anyway, lots of different caveats there. But yeah, I think they come. And then when we start peeling back the layers, that that is certainly part of the problem. It's not always all of the problem. Sometimes people do come in and they say, I'm lonely. I sit on my sofa all day. I look at screens, Netflix, or I am, you know, chatting or on social media or but I don't have any in-person friends and I'm lonely so that's a pretty obvious they know that their screens are a problem or they come in and they say I have a, an addiction that is tied to online there are certain things I'm doing online that I'm addicted to and I need help with it so that does happen sometimes you do have a couple of statistics they're not boring and the new book and the new book's called Connected and Engaged. Yeah. One that stuck out to me is that we're spending on average 10 hours and 39 minutes every single day in front of a screen. Right. I was like, are you kidding me? There's yeah. 10 yeah. plus hours a day. And then when I think about my own life, I'm on my computer a lot and yeah. And then there's TV and I'm like, whoa, this is mind blowing to me. And you had alongside that, that people on average check their phones 150 times a day. Right. And now that number is rising. Over 90% of what we do as humans is not conscious. And I think that in general, we're not really conscious of how much we're on uh, with screens. And so it's really vital information, I think. And I think helping people understand how it affects us. Let's say, for instance, if I'm spending that much time on a screen, well, then that's a conversation online is not the same as going to lunch with someone or having a cup of coffee with someone and looking into their eyes or, or hugging or touching or all those things we can't do right now while we're social distancing. It's not the same. In, when our environment is healthy again and we are able to be in the presence of other people, then we need to carve time out each day to have in-person conversations and even if we're on a screen, we're not moving our bodies. If we sit too much in front of a screen, we're not out walking, we're not out enjoying the sunshine, we're not getting the vitamin D. So the fresh air, there's just so many ways that we're affected. And we can make small changes. Mm. Um, we know better, we can do better. 
when we know better, we can do better. Another point that I noticed in your introduction of the book, you talked about how many of us do intuitively know, or most of us intuitively know, that technology is harming us the way we're using it. Why do we ignore the knowing? Because we really enjoy the simplicity that this technology brings us. It makes our lives easier, but we really do need some amount of friction in our lives every day. Let's say, for instance, the television. It's really healthier for us if we get up and walk across the room and change the channel. I mean, that friction is better for us than sitting on the sofa for hours and hours scrolling through with a remote and a bag of potato chips or a cupcake. I mean, you know, or drinking a Coke. Those are the things we do. They feel good at the time, but they're not really good for us. They're not really healthy for us. So finding some ways to interrupt that ease, I think, is important. Friction. It's such an interesting word to me. I I like it. So you're talking about interrupting so interrupting just the ease of it. So are, are we kind of addicted? Are we secretly addicted to these devices, all of us? Or is there a fine line between when that word's appropriate or not? I think we are, many of us are addicted and we don't even know it. I will tell you, there is a ton of research, the data is in that would support that. However, if you're not a person that wants to read the research or believe what others tell you, then I say, hey, do what I did. I put my phone up one day and I decided I'm going to see if I'm addicted after I've looked at all this research. So I'm going to, I put my phone away in a drawer and I ran an errand. I was gone for an hour or so. And I promise you, I felt really naked without my phone. Mm -hmm. I felt the phantom vibrations. I felt lost. It was awkward. It was really awkward. It can be security for us just having that phone in our presence. But really, what kind of security is that? Is that that a healthy security? Mm. And I assume we're not talking about that. I can remember I first got a cell phone because my dad wanted to make sure that I could call should I be in a breakdown. (laughs) We're not not talking about that. I can remember um, a couple of years ago, I was working with a client and I said to her, I want you to challenge yourself to put your cell phone in your handbag in the trunk of your car. Oh, wow. That's good. And she was like, whoa, like... (laughs) Because we were talking about, and now there's been a lot of measures put in place around the legality of it, but back then it wasn't illegal to necessarily pick up your cell phone as it is now. I live in Minnesota to pick up your cell phone when you were driving. But she said that that really twitched her out, just that separation of it being in the trunk of the car. Absolutely. It's security for us. And the thing we have to think about is, that security can easily be taken away. So if we lose it or we, then what? <laughs> then where, where does our anxiety go? Does that become full-blown panic? I mean, I know I've panicked when I've misplaced my phone for just a short while, just absolutely hysterical. So I think we have to look and do the research on ourselves and to understand how we are affected. Just small changes that we make can make a big difference. Mm. I'm not saying, you know, no tech, because that's not realistic in this world. The world we're in is not realistic. I'm fascinated by how we cope and coping styles and and what we do to 
to take care of ourselves. Do you find that many people use it to sort of numb out, to numb out from the difficult emotions of life and to kind of just kind of fall below thinking almost? Absolutely. That's what, you know, that's what addiction is, escapism Mm -hmm. and numbing out. And so we all have a substance that we numb out with. Mine's chocolate, Uh, (laughs) which is not good for you either. Um, But, you know, in in balance, it's okay. But yeah, I mean, we pick up our phone, we start scrolling through mindlessly. But the problem is it can take us places that set our moods. I mean, have you ever picked up your phone first thing in the morning and you're like, I was in a good mood until I read all this news or saw all these comments or this negativity. And now the rest of my day is not feeling so happy because of the way it began. So I always say to people, hey, put it away for the first two hours of the day. Do some positive things in your day. All of that does affect us. And garbage in, garbage out. So I think we have to be so mindful of of what we allow into our brains. I was just listening to some positive talks on, on, on different podcasts this morning as I was getting ready. I listen to one every day when I'm dressing. You know, that's a great positive way to use it. I think we just have to be mindful of what we're letting in. I think that's such an important point. And we're in the midst of the coronavirus, the first couple of weeks of us being mainly in our homes across the States, people, when we're recording this. And I have had a number of people reach out to me already and say how much my podcast, Here to Thrive, which you are listening to now, people, but how much it has been that that little drop of positive energy in their days, because there is a lot of scary, uh, fearful energy around on social media right now. Having a podcast like this to help lift our spirits, it literally changes the chemistry in our brains. It can raise our immune system and help us be more positive and able to fight off the negativity. So it helps pick us up rather than pushing us down further. So I highly recommend using technology in positive ways like listening to Here to Thrive. Yeah. And it comes back to that mindfulness that the intent, right? Rather than, as you said at the start, the unconsciously getting sucked in. Right. Where we stare, we steer. And so if we are doing things like listening to positive podcasts, we're going to move towards positivity. And that's what our world needs right now. Shifting a little bit, tech and personal connection. We touched on this a little bit in the start of the podcast. Marriages, connection with other people. How do you see technology interfering with this? And then the second part of my question would be, and what can you do about it when we can only control ourselves? Right. That's a great question. Well, I think that we can have boundaries. Boundaries are our best friends in all of life. You know, we must have boundaries to allow, to help others understand what we will allow and what we won't. Boundaries are not a bad thing. Saying no to others' unhealthy or unkind behavior is is not a bad thing. It actually is keeping or or not enabling them to behave in that manner, which might help them become healthier. So I think if we understand, let's say in a, in a marriage relationship, I mean, there are some things in our marriages that we usually talk about before we get married. And we say like, I'm okay with this. I'm not okay with that. These are, these are the standards for our marriage. 
And now the world is changing. And so we do have to constantly kind of change some of our thought processes and boundaries around our relationships. And certainly I know that my husband is like, I would prefer that when we're in the car together, that you're not on the phone. I I like for you just to talk to me and interact with me if you don't mind, if that's okay. Well, as his partner, I want to do things that are not offensive to him. Certainly I can put my phone down for 30 minutes while we're in the car together or 15 or whatever. Or I might say, hey, I know we're going to dinner tonight. And if you're really would be engaged with me and not watching the scores for the football game, that helps me feel like a priority for you. And, you know, we only have dinner together one night a week. So if I could just be for those several hours, your priority, that would really make me feel good about the relationship. (laughs) So, so these boundaries that we can set, we're not telling them, I don't ever tell him what he can or can't do, or he doesn't me, but we just share how it makes us feel. Like I might say, I need you to listen to me right now without any technology, can we step away from our technology for a minute? There's something really important that I need to talk to you about. Well, nine times out of 10, he's going to want to help me with that. And he's going to say, sure, you know, yeah, we're partners. We're a team. We're a couple bubble. So let's do for each other what I know you need and what you're sharing with me. Now, if he intentionally is not going to do that, then, then that's some information for me right there. So yeah, boundaries. I think having boundaries around technology and and everybody's boundaries are different. Some couples I work with say, I get in bed at night and my wife is on her Kindle and that bothers me. I just want to snuggle or I just want to talk to her about our day before going to bed. We usually say like, let's share that with her and see her thoughts around it. And she's like, oh, well, thank you for sharing. I had no idea that you cared, you know. I was just doing that. I I didn't realize I can do that another time during the day. I can look on my iPad and read the news a different time besides at bedtime. So most people are pretty good with understanding that. And then, of course, if they're not, that's a great conversation to go a little deeper with and wonder why. So I'm hearing it's about communicating our needs. And like you said, and if they don't respond, then that's information for us too. Yeah, it's about being connected and engaged because the opposite of that is a deterrent for relationships, disconnection and disengagement. So if my spouse wants to be on their phone when they're with me, then I need to understand. And I'm not saying when they're with me, if they're with me all day, but you know, like if we have set aside designated couple time and they want to include their phone, like who would have ever thought that the third person, which is not a person, but the third distraction in a marriage would be a phone. Like the other person is actually a phone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You're competing against a phone, not, yeah, not another I, human. <laughs> right. right. How, how can I compete against that? Technology and parenthood. Oh, where to start with this one? I said to you just as we were getting on the call, I have two boys. They're aged six and eight currently. We're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and I've seen so many memes going around already saying, let's all ignore our green time limits. And I absolutely get it, right? We're in survival mode at the moment. And as a parent who works from home, 
I will admit that I was incredibly tempted to just hand my kids their iPads for six weeks and tell them to enjoy. But with our two boys, my husband and I have noticed that there is a huge change in behavior when they have too much screen time. And so we've decided that during this period, and we don't know how long this period is going to be with coronavirus, to stick to our weekend-only family rule. Right. I know you have a bunch of children as well. What have you seen in your own family around technology and behavior? And how did you navigate this with your children? Well, our children are all grown at this point. So I did not have as much of, of a challenge as, as you will have. But I do still have the challenge because, you know, when we were together for family time, now we're together for holidays and whatnot, not as much as we used to be because our kids are all grown out with their own careers and whatnot and their own families. But when we do get together for family time or have dinner, I'm like, hey, put your device away because this is going to be just us. And we have a rule when we go out to dinner as a family, whoever pulls their phone out has to buy dinner. And that really. (laughs) Who's paying for dinner tonight? (laughs) We're a pretty big group. So that works out really well. (laughs) Yeah. I understand that things are a little different with the coronavirus and I, I don't want anyone to isolate. Right now I'm saying get online, connect to do FaceTime with loved ones, check in on on your loved ones and elderly people. And, you know, we need to be doing that right now, right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. However, still, we do not need to be constantly online. We still need to be moving our bodies. We can find projects around the house. On my Instagram, I've been posting every day uh, projects. I had a spring cleaning list that I probably would have never gotten through otherwise, but now I'm cleaning out an attic and washing windows and doing things that will pull me away from technology somewhat. I'm moving my body. I'm doing things that are constructive. I'm still setting goals during the day and reaching them and feeling good about them at night to keep my mood up. But going back to your kids, we model for our kids. As they grow older and yours are getting to the age where they're going to start watching you and not, you know, you can talk to them and they hear you, but they're really more interested in what you're doing. And so we model for our children the behavior that we want them to have. And so that's really important for us to remember. My kids will say to me, Mom, you're on your phone. Uh, When I was writing my book, Connected and Engaged, I even talked about it in the book. My, My son and his girlfriend walked through the living room one day and he said, look at my mom. She talks about tech distractions and she's been on her computer for two hours straight writing. <laughs> you know, it's they watch, they notice everything. So we have to we have to be mindful when we're with them to give them our complete attention. I can so tell when I'm working with families which kids have boundaries, you know, which parents have set boundaries for their kids around tech. They look at me in the eye, they're able to converse with me. It makes a big difference. And I think if we want our kids to be well rounded then we need to help them be well-rounded. So we need to help them learn about social conversations and in-person conversations and not just everything on technology. That really hit me that we are modeling for them. So if we have boundaries around technology with them, but yet we have our cell phones at the dinner table and are not socially engaging with them, we're sending contradictory messages. 
And that is so true. I always, I want to say to parents when I go out and I see young families and the parents immediately pull out their iPads, you know, when we're, when they're out at dinner, I see them at the table and they have friends with them and they all hand their kids their iPads. And I'm thinking, no, 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 this is a great opportunity for your kids to learn how to socialize out in public place, learn how to have self-control and to actually interact and be connected with other kids. And so that later when those kids are much, much older, the parents aren't bringing them into my office saying, my child's not really making friends in person, or my child has a hard time focusing. We know that too much tech for kids while their brains are developing can interrupt their focus. And, you know, we have to think about those sorts of things. It comes back to that idea of boundaries and intention again. And I've found that technology and giving my kids the iPad, if I'm being honest with myself, it's always the easy route but I know I'm going to pay for it in the long term. And I think this to me is about choosing the hard thing in the moment, which is going to be the good thing in the long term. Yes. And that is, if you think about it, that's really the case in much of life. Taking the easy way out in general does not always work out well. (laughs) It it really works out well. I've had to learn this lesson the hard way, people. It really works (laughs) out well to take the easy route. My nature is to try and go the easy route and I fight against it all the time. (laughs) Right, Right. The other part that I really heard as we are facing this coronavirus crisis was you said when we are with our children really be with them and like I said I know a lot of parents are working from home and trying to balance that and as a working from home parent I'm seeing you know all of the people that can do oh I've got all this space and I'm like yeah that's nice for you uh my my I've now got my kids at home full time and somehow trying to do my work as well but what I'm hearing is that boundaries can work really well for us here we're either you know working But when we're with our children, we're with our children. We're not trying to be with our children while working at the same time. Do you think that is a strategy that could help us here? I think that is wonderful. That's a wonderful strategy for kids to learn. Hey, mom and dad have to work right now for a couple of hours, which means I have to do this over here and I have to learn to respect boundaries with them and to be able to have some self-control during that time. That's a good thing for kids to learn. That's a whole nother book for me one day. You know, when we try to make our kids happy every minute and entertain them every minute, that is really not preparing our kids for real life. Real life is that we are quarantined somewhat, and yet we still have to work and provide for our family. That's our real life right now. And so kids, we need you to understand that we're going to take a little bit of time to do our work so that we can provide the food and the security that we all need. And then we're going to spend an hour or two doing something fun with you. If you're able to get out and go for a walk, or if you're able to play a board game or whatever your particular, everybody's situation right now is very very different. Mm, It's about that quality of time and that intention around how we're using our time. Talking, I know you also work with organizations around Mm -hmm how they can minimize distractions at work from tech. What problems are you seeing with technology in the workplace? You know, it was kind of interesting, Kate, because I wasn't intending to do that. 
And as I would work with families and, and, and then they would ask me, will you come speak to my school PTA group? Or will you come speak to, uh, will you come to my office and help me with my employees? And then as I started doing the research, I found over $90 billion a year is lost due to employees being over-involved with social media online during the work day. That's a lot of money. And people, they realized that that was going on. So they would say, come help us with this. And so I did start working with small businesses as well as big organizations on ways that they could use technology in a better way in the workplace. And so what kind of things do you suggest for organizations? Well, one is know that that it's a distraction. We know that um, for every time that we are pulled away and our focus is, let's say we're online and we're working and we get a notification that pulls us away. It takes us 25 minutes to get our mind really back into that project again that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of wasted time. So helping people understand how to turn off notifications, how to email that's, that's huge. Like we do not have to be available 24-7. It makes us crazy thinking that we have to answer every email the minute it comes in, every phone call the minute or every text the minute they come in. We can train people to understand our boundaries and respect our time. And we can respect our own time by saying, okay, I'm going to check emails every morning. This is something I do with organizations. I'm going to check emails every morning from 8 to nine or eight to 10, depending on your email amount. And then a little notification is going to come on that says, uh, after that time, I will not be checking email again until the afternoon at four so that I can improve my productivity and creativity. And so you train people to understand, oh, well, I'm going to send her this in the morning, but I know she doesn't answer them till nighttime or late in the afternoon. So people understand. And if it's really, really important, they will call you. Mm, that's a really interesting point, right? And and like you said, having those notifications I was when you said having a notification on your email, just letting people know that you won't be checking it. I was just thinking as well, we could set notifications to our calendars to to pop up and say like, turn it off now. Yes, it's really interesting. We can, yeah, we can do that. I, I do that, and and I know Instagram has a new element that you it tells you it can tell you exactly how much time you're spending on it during the day, and you can actually limit that. There are apps you can get to cut all of that off depending on the way you program them. So that can be very helpful. Yeah, boot yourself off Instagram. I love it. Time time to go now. Right. Lori, <laughs> I ask all my guests some pretty casual intermission questions. A life lesson that you feel took a long while for you to really learn. Oh, goodness. Well, do I have to do just one, Kate? Yeah, you just, you can tell me all about all of them if you'd like. (laughs) I think that really, that you're going to find this interesting because I'm a therapist and what do therapists do? We listen. But that has been the life lesson that has been most important for me because as you can tell, I'm a talker. I have learned that I have to be a listener also and listen to other people and not just be talking at them, but also being able to listen. Everybody has their perspective. Everyone has their idea of something. And sometimes people just want to be heard. Mm. I think we're experiencing that in our world with, with all of the division and polarization. And I say, well, 
I think they just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can just not dismiss them and hear them. So probably that is a life lesson that I think is just essential for me personally. Oh, no. And I understand. I don't think it's bizarre that you're a therapist when when listening is is one of your life lessons because, you know, I'm one of my specializations is stress and how to manage it. And yet self-care is a huge personal struggle for me. But I think it's the fact that I am constantly having to reinforce that life lesson. It makes me better at teaching it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they say that that lesson that we most need to learn, it doesn't go away until we learn it. And I think I think listening has been a lifelong struggle for me. Yeah. I'm finally learning it. So maybe now it will go away. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'll be with that. I think I'll be navigating self-care for the rest of my life, but that's okay. Absolutely. It's a journey. It's a journey. How would you describe the soul, Dr. Laurie? Do you believe in one? And if so, how would you describe it? Absolutely. I do believe in the soul. And I think that the way I would describe the soul is that it's our internal world. It's everything going on for us internally. And, you know, it's our soul is the keeper of our internal world. And I think for me, I personally think that it drives most of my behaviors. What does fulfillment mean to you? Well, I think for all of us, it means something very different. But for me personally, it, it has really changed. It's kind of interesting. I think the first part of our lives, fulfillment means, you know, gathering. And the second half of our lives, it is about realizing that we have enough. And no matter what we have, it's enough. And it can be enough. And I still like to have goals, but my goals are not materialistic. My goals are more soul goals. Mm. Um, they're, they're more... They're more spiritual, I think. Yeah, Um, I feel like friends, you know, experiences, not things. I feel like it just made me think of like the life stages. Was it Levinson's life stages and that stage of, is it called generativity? I have not looked at this since about, I don't know, 12 years ago. No, even longer, almost 20 years ago. But that's what I'm hearing, that shift towards generativity. Oh, so true. I, I it, it is almost was to the day after I turned 50 that I suddenly, I guess that's half life for me because I noticed a shift. I have wanted to simplify my life. I want experiences. I tell my kids, don't spend money on a Christmas gift for me or a holiday gift for me. What I would like is for you to write a poem or paint a picture. My son's really gotten good at painting or, or drawing something for me or and and my daughter you know she'll spend time with me you know these are the things that I want now mm, no I, I totally hear you on that one I, I absolutely get it shifting back to technology and kind of summing things up what can we do if you had a few simple ideas of how we can improve our own situations Where could we get started if we wanted to do something about how we were relating to the technology in our lives? That's a great, great question. And I'm glad to to, um, offer some ideas about that, that I found that work for me and work for my clients. I think really being intentional about creating strong relational connections, the people that are closest to us, I think 
minimizing the stress that comes from our digital devices, which however that works for you, if you need to put it away, whatever the boundary is that you can have for your time with your tech, I think is helpful to help you engage with your world with a renewed energy and a renewed confidence and more focus on real life experiences with other people, I think is essential. Dr. Laurie, if you were to leave the listeners of Here to Thrive with just one thought today, what would it be? Today, I would want to borrow the title of my book, which is Be Connected and Engaged, especially now. During this time, connect And believe it or not, I'm going to say, use your technology to connect. You know, technology, it's not one of those conversations I really feel that excited about having because I feel like so many of us can do with, from time to time, a little bit more consideration with how we are using technology and whether really it might be using us I know I absolutely consider it a maladaptive coping strategy when we use it just to go into that endless scroll. When I'm doing stress management training, I often mention it. But my key takeaway from today was really about being mindful about our tech use and the intention we bring. And as like any other element of our lives, the more intention we can bring to it, the healthier the relationship becomes. So I hope you took something interesting away from today. And to learn more about Dr. Laurie, you can head to drlauriewaitley.com. You can also find her book, Connected and Engaged, on Amazon. For the show notes from today's episode, head to thrive.howpodcast137. I've been saying a little bit more frequently because really people, it helps so much when you leave reviews for the show. It really does help the show's ratings. I never got that, but it's it's true. It legitimately seems to help. So fascinating to me. But aside from the fascination and the favor you would be doing me if you took a minute to leave a rating and review for the show, please do. I really appreciate the feedback. Like, I can't even tell you how much. It's it's a form of connection that I have with you as listeners. And it means so much to me to read your kind words and know how much of an impact Here to Thrive has in your life. So just thank you for the motivation. It's really nice to know you're out there listening and how much the podcast means to you. So if you do have a moment to leave a review, it would mean like tons and heaps to me. Uh I'm sure the link still works if you go to thrive.how forward slash review to kind of get that bypass link to iTunes, but otherwise you should be able to find it in the app. Sometimes you might have to research here to thrive if you're already subscribed to be able to get that review link that should be down the bottom. Appreciate you all. It's really great to be back. See you week after next. And until then, beautiful people, keep thriving for me.